This presentation was from Yorks Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. It gives me great pleasure. Um, we, we've just had some 10-minute talks, uh, and this is a good example of someone who's using that opportunity to get better at, at speaking. Um, Tal's uh, presented at our conferences a few times now, and he gets better every single time. Uh, please join me from the customer experience company, Tal Blue. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, everybody. Are you enjoying yourselves? All right. I'm going to ask you for a little bit of interaction. Don't worry, you're not going to have to do star jumps. But if you could just stand up, every single person in the room, please stand up. All right. If you have children and you have noticed that they have changed somewhat in the last six months or so, please take a seat. If you are still standing and you feel that maybe you've changed in the last year or so, please take a seat. For those few people still standing, if you feel that you've noticed the world around you change in the last few years, please take a seat. <laughs> All right. The good news is that worked out just the way I planned. <laughs> um, why is no one still standing? Because change is almost part of the definition of life itself. If it's alive, it changes. Um, so in our work, we may be tempted to think that we're designing an end state experience, but life is constantly in flux. So we need to find a way to design experiences that are geared to evolve with life itself. And I'm here to offer maybe a little bit of help in trying to achieve that. Um, the way I'm going to propose is that we combine two existing um, UX te techniques. So the first is journey maps, and then the second is measurement. And then by the end of it, you might get something which are like living maps, things that are able to change with time, with, uh, with life itself. And, and therefore, when we use them to base our experience designs on, we can achieve more with our efforts because we're really just designing the next um, phase of experience and something that we intend to, to evolve forevermore. Um, so let's check out how this might practically work. Um, in order to do that, I just want to make sure we're on the same page with these two techniques, so I'm going to quickly look at both of them. What's a journey map? Visualization of the person's steps they take in order to uh, fulfill a need. So they might wake up one day and go, oh my gosh, I need something. Um, you know the context. It could be in lots of different contexts. But then they would take some steps to try and figure out what their options are to fulfill it. They'll assess the top options. They'll choose one. And then they'll hopefully go, I'm very satisfied I've fulfilled that need. One of the keys to journey maps is to show insights into the motivations and the emotional rise and fall. Are they anxious? Are they happy? Are they excited? These sorts of things. And what are the, what are the key moments in the journey that have an impact on them? These are the sorts of things we might highlight. An interesting point that I, I think is very fascinating, when you get the set of all the journey maps for a particular business where a customer can interact with them and put them all together, you might actually say we've got now a visual representation of the life cycle for, for customers. It might be that there's, there's one about discovering the fact that the business exists, then they take on the service or product, they do something with it, they have an inquiry, they have an issue, they might choose to stop doing business end-to-end. -end. That's the entire life cycle. This represents all the interactions that a person can have with the business. Um, but the most important thing about journey maps is that they're based on research. So it's not what we think the customers are going through or users are going through. It's what they've told us that they go through. 
in that way, we're able to bring context to, to the work that the people do in the business, whether it's design or even decision-making. We can have context about the customer's life and their experience. And, um, and therefore, you can bring empathy to, to the plight that they're going through. But there's a big short coming. Um, there's a static snapshot at a point in time where we did the research, where we actually sat down and talked to 12 customers. This is what life was like. But three years later, they might be redundant. And after two, three hundred thousand dollars, it's a bit sad, actually. Um, so the question is, how do we do things like gauge success of the efforts that we put in to fix problems with the experience? I'll leave that hanging. And now we're going to look at measurement. Measurement, in theory, is the thing that can connect the world of theory with the reality of, of, of the people who actually experience the business. Because we're going to ask them, um, what are they feeling towards the business right now? Um, usually it's following an interaction, but not always. Um, the sorts of things we can measure are their perception of the product or the service, um, their perception of the, the channel designs, like the website, or the staff conduct. We can also ask them about the brand itself you know, as a whole. Is, what do you think of this company? Um, but the important point here is to focus on the experiences that have the greatest impact. When you, when you try to measure the, the points that have the greatest impact, you get a deeper or more useful things coming out that you can work on. Um, then the other side of the equation is how to measure. Um, you can solicit feedback after they finish the process. You can ask them, what did you think about that process? Um, you can also get unsolicited feedback. When someone calls the call center to complain, that's feedback. You, know, you can use that for stuff. Um, and also social commentary. If you're finding that there's a lot of comments on the same sort of theme coming through Facebook or wherever, uh, a business would do well to listen to that. But the important point is to listen through the channels and at the times that will be most effective. And then you can, um, you can measure the right things that will be useful. So most importantly, though, is we have to know how to use that feedback. We have to plan what we're going to do with it to make, to make actual changes. So I've seen with a number of clients, they might have a question asking, how likely are you to recommend our business, NPS? but they have no idea what causes a rise or a fall or a poor NPS, so they don't know what to fix if that's the case. So it's really important that they have a plan on how they're going to use feedback to do something about it. And that's why there's another term for um, customer experience measurement or user experience measurement, voice of the customer. It's, a, it's alluding to the fact that we're actually giving the people we do business with a voice on how we conduct our business. They're, like in a real relationship, you know, they can, they can say what their preferences are and things like that. So how do we use it to drive, drive continual change, uh, continual improvement in the experience? We take individual feedback and we take it back to the person who caused that experience. could be the person in the call center or something and say, here, you can learn from this. This is what you did. This is what they thought. In an extreme case, they might want to call the customer to either fix the problem or get a, get a quote of the story of how awesome it was. Um, you can also use it in an aggregated way. If you see trends over a period of time, um, a team leader might want to steer their team to do things differently to make it a better experience. But um, business leaders might look at um, quarterly or annual trends to, to steer the entire business to try and decide what's strategically important for the business. But the most important point is to loop that feedback back to the person who's best positioned position to take action. Um, so like any human relationship, this is how it works. We just try to fix what's not working, and, and replicate what's already working, what's good. Um, and at the end of the day, we want to be confident that every effort that we put in is ultimately improving the experience. So in a nutshell, that's measurement. But there's a shortcoming. When you've got a large organization with millions of customers, how do you, how do you have that real-life context? You know, in a, in a cafe, the barista might get to know the customer 
and they'll start to start to know their preferences. But how can a product manager of a, of a national corporation? Um, similarly, a barista could see maybe something that went wrong when um, someone spilled the coffee or put in too many sugars or something. They can do something about it. But how can the call center person who's in amongst 100 other call center people um, get that kind of context for their feedback? Um, so how do we ensure that action is taken in the most effective way without that sort of context? And this is where I think it gets very interesting. Um, if we have something that can bring the two worlds together to give you context in a live sort of way, um, we'll be able to address these two shortcomings. Um, so after you've done some research, rather than having a static journey, um, and after you've figured out what you're going to measure, you've got some sort of framework or strategy, um, but instead of having a bland kind of dashboard of measures, um, bring the two together. Um, but the way you do it is you have to figure out where where in the life cycle that feedback relates to, like what happened, like what temporarily in, in, in time, where did, where did that come from? What were they doing at the time? And then you also have to look at what, what were they talking about? Like what, what part of the relationship of this customer to the business was the person talking about? That will give you the full context. So let's have a look at this. Um, right, so we talked about how every experience adds up to a life cycle. So you've got your sets of touch points for each journey. Um, maybe an interaction... Uh, you know, you got a piece of feedback after a particular interaction, so you know oh, that's where it plugs in on this journey at that point. That's, what they were, that's where they were talking. Um, or maybe it's um, after they finished a particular task, they gave you feedback at that point. Or maybe it's after a while. Sometimes businesses ask for feedback three months after no interactions. So they can get a sense of how they're holding without that, that recent experience. With regards to relationship context, it's like any relationship. You have two entities, and you have a thing in the middle called a relationship. There's different parts to it. Um, you have the practical part to it. You have, do we align in values? And then, you know, what do we actually mean to each other in life? So, you know, are they talking about the products or service offering fulfilling the need? Are they maybe talking about the design principles or the customer principles, the way that they do it? Is that meeting the way that I want things, the, what motivates me in choosing things? Um, or is the, the business actually enhancing my life? Is it fulfilling the purpose that I feel it should have in my life or maybe that it's set out to, to do in the world? So let's, let's take some examples to just make this a bit more real. So after they've interacted with uh, a channel, you might ask them, how easy was this? And you can feed that right back to the team who are responsible for that interaction um, to let them know this is how the value of ease is playing out in the channel, or at least how it's perceived by people. Um, you might get a complaint that they felt that the person on the, on the phone didn't care. Maybe one of your values is that we want our customers to feel that we care, so you can feed that back in to the right point. You know, it's talking about values in the way the staff conduct themselves. Um, they might have been talking about the product or service when you asked them how satisfactory is this after 21 days after they purchased it. Are you feeling satisfied? You know, you know it's going to feed back into the product team. Um, and finally, you might ask them, would you likely recommend us? <laughs> you know, you're talking about the brand as a whole. Um, so... How do we create living journeys? We've got some now a nice theory in our heads. Let's look at the practical side of things. Like any good designers, we should start with use cases. Um, how would people use these journeys that are able to adapt with time and change? Um, one, one way is to stick them up in a wall near the team of the people who affect that journey so they can look at it when they're trying to figure things out or they're having their team huddle. Uh, maybe on a screen in a meeting or a workshop or something, you can project it so you can have it give some context to the conversations. We're talking about a new product. Well, let's see, you know, where in the, the life of a, of a customer this, this um, product fits in. 
uh, or maybe on the internet, so someone at their desk can just pull it up and use it when they're busy trying to solve a problem or do something. The, the finance guy can understand where the billing fits into the customer's experience or the user's experience. Um, and finally, for onboarding, I think it's actually quite useful for um, people when they started at an organization, if there's a set of customer journeys or user journeys, show them this is how customers see our business. This is what they go through. Um, so now that we know how we might want to use it, I forgot to start the clock. Um, so I'm flying blind in time, Steve. Um, some options. Uh, you could print it on a big poster on the wall. Typical, right? But we need to have this live element. So get some post-it notes, write the latest metrics, um, and stick them on the journey so that people can see what's going on. When they walk out of the elevator, they can see the latest uh, journey and the, and the metrics. Um, you could even put a, a little tablet, you know, an iPad or something next to the journey so that um, you can have the latest numbers just feeding through and that relate to that journey on the wall. Um, but you could even have a nice old school ticker that just clicks over like at the airport in the old days to say the latest NPS or something. Um, getting more creative, you could print straight onto a whiteboard so that you can write the numbers on there. But I like this one because then people can actually draw all over it when they're trying to design a new uh, experience as well. Um, you could have the visual design template set up. You plug the new numbers in, export it as a PDF, and stick it up on the internet, ready to project into the, into the, um, the meeting. Um, you could have cloud-based journey map software that can f you can access these things through a browser with the live data feed straight into it. Or the Jaguar of journey maps, you could have bespoke HTML that's ready to go for interactions, like on a pad or on a big screen in the, in the foyer or something. Um, so here is one that we created earlier. Um, this is for a leading uh, uh, corporate client in their industry. Uh, they're, they're leading their industry. Um, what we did is we, we built the usual um, thinking, feeling, doing kind of customer journey thing. And then we plugged in some measures. Um, on the side, we had the measures that relate to the journey as a whole or to the relationship as a whole. And then down the bottom, we had the ones that relate to specific channels that are used in that journey. We, we wanted to be pragmatic. So we started phase one. Let's just do something kind of simple so we can get it out there. And then phase two will make it more inter interactive or more sophisticated. Um, but an interesting thing here is that we also found there was, a, there, was a, there was a big desire from the business people to incorporate operational metrics in there as well. So we included things like the number of hits to the website and the number of conversions so that you could understand the context for when people are giving us feedback. You also understand the volume of things. It helps with, with some decision making. Um, and we printed on a foam board, wall mounted, stuck it up on the wall. We gave them an Excel um, template that um, someone was assigned the job of plugging in the latest numbers, going around collecting it from the business, plugging it in once a week, printing it out, A4 piece of paper, and sticking it on. We wanted to make path of least resistance, make it a, an easy process for them to maintain. Um, and we also, that th these guys are on a big like, transformation kind of phase, so we gave them room to put some information on the, on the initiatives that are currently going on to, to address some of the weaknesses in the journeys so that people could know what's happening and who to talk to if they, had, if they had some questions. And so it kind of also became an interesting tool in this collaboration in the business in general. So the vision for phase two is to make them digital, where we plug in the numbers right into the points in the journey where they are relevant, and then have some sort of interaction. So you can tap to see... Uh, drill down into the data, you can break down the numbers into the different segments, like how many from this segment versus how many from that segment. You actually drill down and get some interaction, or maybe you can pull out verbatim some, some quotes from some of the feedback that people wrote into surveys. Or maybe even when you created the journeys in the first place, you took some audio-visual. 
um, and they could tap on it to see a customer talking about their experience at that point in the journey, and they can really bring the empathy into, into the working environment for the people who use it. So an example of use. Um, maybe the, you've got the look and choose journey where someone's trying to choose a product, um, and they go online looking at the um, product options, and you, you get a low NPS and a comment saying it was really difficult to understand which product best suited my needs. Um, but you can also see there's thousands of um, hits to these pages every day and a very low conversion rate. So you're starting now to get a clue. Through this, it would quickly come into the radar for the people who, who are involved with this that there's something there we, that we can tap into and we can fix it and get a, a, a valuable outcome pretty quickly. And this is, I think... Um, this is, a, this is an especially exciting proposition for um, businesses that are, they, that are geared for, um, for agile environments where they, they can fix up a page, put an A-B testing and see how it fares and, and, and they can see the numbers and then coming straight through the journey to see what impact it's having. So that's the concept in, in, in general, but it would be remiss of me not to give you some learning experiences <laughs> Uh, they do take effort to maintain such things. It's not like in the old days where you create them, hand them over, and that's that, but they become redundant three years later. It'll take some effort. So someone in the business needs to be assigned to ensuring that they're consistent over time. Some, you need to assign SMEs within the business to oversee and approve the technical content to make sure they're still accurate. You need to assign someone to collect the data and put it up there um, if it's automatic, uh, sorry, if it's manual. Or you need to make sure that the, the programmers, there's someone in, in there to maintain the data feeds if you're, if you're plugging directly into, into databases. Um, and, and it's also worthwhile um, recommending that they run ongoing research to make sure they're still um, valid. So every couple of years, every journey gets touched to make sure that it's still, it's still representing the reality. Um, so now, journeys can show change and measures can be seen in context so that a business can ensure the insights are actioned in an effective way and we can see the effect of the experience design improvements that, that we put out there. Um, and I think that this will help us keep our finger on the pulse so that we can embrace that reality of life that I talked about earlier, that it's constantly changing and ebbing and flowing. And this, if we do that and if we're setting up our designs to evolve with life itself, we'll be able to ensure healthy relationships between a business and its customers and therefore happy staff, happy customers, greater success for everyone involved. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.